Go through chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 9. We will stand the reading of God's Word. Go through chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, and we'll read responsibly. From verses 1 to 9, and we'll read uh, verse 9 together. So verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto thee, as I said unto Moses. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand, nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Moses, my servant, commanded thee. 
Turn not from it to the left hand, to the right hand, or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. If we jump all the way to First John, um, First John chapter five, verses one through three, the Bible says, First uh, John chapter five, one through three, it says, "Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth Him." Loveth him that be, uh, loveth him that begat, sorry. And every one that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we are the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now when we are at, uh, it's easy at church to, um, obey and to dress right and to you know sing the right kind of music listen to the right kind of music when we're in the church house but if we obey God only on Sunday we've obeyed God less than one seventh of our time if we obey him on Sunday if you take the time we're at church less than one seventh of our week is spent obeying God um, but it, and it's, so it's easy when you're around the brethren you know uh, if I come to church in a suit and a tie, uh, you know, you're not going to mock me, you're not going to teach me. But if I go out on Queen Street in a suit and a tie and I'm preaching, then everybody's going to mock you because you're this crazy preacher. So, and that takes courage because, and the, because of the difference in the environment. Um, we'll, we'll cover a little bit on witnessing in just a minute. But when you're at work, um, we used to work on the roads and there was a real problem in the company with uh, cheating on timesheets. And they would, they would want to write, you know, uh, half an hour extra at the beginning of the day and half an hour extra at the end of the day, and you'd write your time. And of course, if you write the actual time, that causes a problem for them, because why is their hours different when you work the same site? Yeah. Um, and so, if you're going to, to obey God, you can't lie on your timesheet. You can't cheat on your timesheet. Um, the Bible says you're supposed to show uh, good fidelity in your work. And so if you're going to obey God, it's going to take courage to stand against those that want to cheat the boss, cheat uh, and lie on their timesheets. Um, it's the same at school. Uh, Levy, there he is at the back there, was mentioning, I think it's a men's meeting, or maybe in the youth, he's talking about one of his teachers who was talking about using the idea that if God will forgive anybody for anything, then it doesn't matter. Uh, what you do, you can, you, you know, the teacher was uh, suggesting that you can abuse the grace of God, and the Bible calls that lasciviousness. And again, the verse there: if you actually love God, you're going to keep His commandments. But for Levi to stand up and say anything, it's going to take courage. When you have to stand up in front of, you know, you know, the whole class, 30 kids, is going to mock you. It takes courage to stand up against that. Um, and so the verse for that, if you want to write it down, first, uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that shall live godly in this, uh, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we know that, and so it takes courage to stand up and believe God anyway. To behave a Christian outside of the church house takes courage. Um, go to... Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. 
chapter 6, not chapter 11, chapter 6. Verse 11. Those likewise reckon ye yourselves also yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let not sin, let, yeah, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your instruments, your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And this is um, where, where it takes courage because when you're, like I said, when you're out of work and you're out at school or wherever you happen to be, to obey God, when you're not in the church house, you're against everybody and everybody's against you. You know, you're different and so uh, people will mock you, people will tease you. So the tendency is to, I was listening to a message just the other day about camouflage Christians. Uh, the tendency is to camouflage in, to blend in to the surroundings, to look like everybody else. So if everybody's going, you know, if all the workmates are um, going to have a drink at the end of the job site, there's a, the temptation is to drink with them just to fit in. Um, but if you read through the Bible, God says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And God and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And God has a lot to say about alcohol in the Bible. But, um, and I'm not particularly preaching on that today, but when, when you're faced with that situation, it takes courage to stand up and say, no. Uh, I'm not, you know, there's a tendency to want to say, well, no, I, I just don't drink. I really don't, you know, don't like drink. Rather than say, well, actually, God doesn't approve of it. Which is what a Christian should be saying, because God said we shouldn't be ashamed of him and his word. Um, so it takes courage to obey... Uh, God and His law, or the Word of God, to be an obedient Christian. It also takes, so this is your second point, or second sub point, it also takes courage to witness. I've mentioned this about um, going out on Queen Street just a minute ago. If you're going to go out on Queen Street, or not necessarily even Queen Street, if you're going to witness at work or at school, or when you're going down the street, if you're going letterboxing and you see someone there, it takes courage to stop, you know. Um, and to talk to them, there's a tendency if you're letterboxing to go, well, I'm just letterboxing, I'm letterboxing. You walk past someone and I'm letterboxing, I'm not, I'm not there, you know, I'm just letterboxing. And rather than, you know, the whole point in letterboxing is to give the gospel out. So if you see someone there, the idea is you would speak to that person because your verbal, you verbally speaking to them has more impact than just them reading the tract alone. But we have a tendency to want to just put the letterbox, the tract in the letterbox and carry on and ignore them and hope that they read it uh, later on when you're not around to, for them to give you funny looks. So it takes courage um, to obey God in witnessing. So um, we, again, we have the command to go and witness um, the Great Commission. Um, but, you know, if you're at work, the tendency is, um, and I'm not looking down at anybody I struggle with this myself, but, uh, well, not too much on this side now, but um, before, you would, uh, you know, God would prompt me, and they'd say, go and speak to this person. You know, that person needs to hear the gospel. And the tendency of your flesh, of the flesh, is to say, well, bosses will pay you to stand around talking all day. 
the tendency is for, you know, you say, well, I've got work to do, you know, I've got to get this done before this deadline. Um, or, um, you know, and again, what your colleagues and workmates will think of you. But, again, it takes courage to speak the gospel in spite of the, and I'm not saying, you know, you should stand around all day talking rather than doing your work. The boss is paying you to work. But if God prompts you to go and speak to someone, the prompting of God is a higher call than your boss. And if you have to, you know, your testimony sharing the gospel to that workmate may open the opportunity to preach or to share the gospel to your boss and say, look, yeah, I believe this and I believe this is more important. Um, and so it takes courage to stand that, to stand that test at work. If you think about, um, and we always go there, about the three Hebrew children, that was their workplace. They were the princes, they were the rulers in Babylon in the province of Babylon, and they had to say, take a stand on what they believed, and and that cost it could have cost them their life, and they were willing just to give their life for that. Um, they could have lost their job as well, and they were willing to lose all. Um, and that takes courage, right? So that's so uh, courage to obey God and His law, courage to obey God. Uh, in witnessing or soul winning. And these are obviously just a few areas, it's not uh, all inclusive, but it also, uh, as your third sub point there, it takes courage to obey a call. Um, whether that is um, uh, serving behind the pulpit, or doing the IT, or doing the piano, doing the cooking, setting the chairs out, it takes uh, an amazing amount of courage, you know, you think, well, it's not, not a very uh, challenging to come and set out chairs. It's not, you know, a big, big deal to cook. But when you do it every week, and you do it every week, and you do it every week, it becomes discouraging if you're not careful, because you don't see the results. If you don't see the results, or if your if uh, courage is coming from the wrong source, then the tendency is to become discouraged. Um, and so, uh, to keep going, to keep on in service takes courage. To come every week takes courage and to a certain degree. Because if you can be discouraged from doing it, that means that the word courage is there. You can be discouraged coming to church. You know, you're always doing this and you're always doing this and nobody helps and nobody says thank you and nobody, you know, nobody cares and you can become discouraged. So the courage is there. Um, and you can be an encouragement. We're gonna look at that in just a minute. Um, so, um, and if you, if, you, if you doubt that, come and try it. Uh, come and try uh, setting up every week and nobody shows up and you've got 10 people at Sunday school and there's 80 chairs there. It's, <laughs> it can be really hard to come to church, to be honest. Um, sometimes I struggle. You know, nobody's going to be there. So what's the point? But it takes, and so it takes courage to, and you've got to look beyond the now and uh, into eternity. You've got to look at not the people, but at God. Um, so 
this brings me to where, where do we get courage from? So this is the second point. Um, and the first up point, and obviously this is not primary source, but I've uh, mentioned a little bit here, is from each other. We do get a level of encouragement from each other. Um, and we are to encourage each other. If we look at Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 19. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things which may edify one another. Edifying is to encourage. So it, it's to encourage someone into something, um, or edification, to encourage someone into doing something. So for us, edification, you know, keep on going, and to, would be to say thank you. you know, we appreciate what you do around here. And it doesn't take much. Those, to be honest, who come and help will come and help anyway. But it does do the world of good to have to hear thank you every now and then, to, uh, or to uh, be encouraged. You know, keep going. Um, if you look also at Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. Ephesians four, eleven and twelve. He gave, uh, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So again, the word edifying. Um, but to be honest, um, the best thing that we can do to encourage somebody who is serving is to help out. Come and help out. But uh, you've got to be careful. Brent's, Brother Brent's not here so I can say this. Um, was really good when he showed up. He came up and he said, "How can I help?" He didn't come and say, "Right, I want to, I want to set up chairs to be of help, and this is how I'm going to set up chairs." He came and said, "You know, how do you want the chairs set up? I'm not going to go and set these up because I'm going to, if I do that, I'm going to offend someone." He set up the chairs. He would just throw them out roughly, and then I would go along and straighten them up. And so, when you're going to help, look for how you can help as opposed to jumping in on someone's toes. Um, but like I said, um, our encouragement is not to be primarily from each other. If we go to just quickly Jeremiah chapter 17 and verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall, for he shall be like the, the hearth in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is, whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the rivers, and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease. Uh, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So the, um, it's not we are not to be each other's primary source of encouragement. So it is good if we, if we sit and say, well, I'm going so and so. This is my role model. This is my hero. Even if it is someone in the church, when they fail you, because they will, because they are only man or woman. That we are mankind. 
we have a certain nature when we fall if you're if everything you have for coming to church is hooked on that one person when that person slips up screws up uh, messes up you will fall with them but if you're anchored in God yeah it will hurt but you can keep going um, so again trusting in the Lord we're going to look at that now if we go back to Joshua chapter 1 Joshua chapter 1 and verses 5 I'm get myself there Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5 the Bible says there and, and there shall no man be able to stand with thee, uh, before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee so we're going to look at that, just that phrase, just a minute. Uh, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. How was Moses, how was God with Moses? How, what, what kind of uh, God did Moses know? Now, we'd say, well, it's the same God we know today, but the experience Moses had with God, if you read, we're not going to read all of it, uh, through Exodus, all the way through to Deuteronomy, God was with him in power. And so we can have courage because we have a God of power. If you go to, we just look at a few, I guess uh, you might call it highlights in Moses' life. If you look at the start of his life, God was there when he was in the ark in the Nile in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible says that when she could no longer hide him, that's Moses' mother, she took him and she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbled it with slime and with pitch and put the child in put therein sorry, and put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's bank and so if you read there God if you read the rest of the chapter which we're not going to take the time to do uh, you see how God uh, provided Pharaoh a house he was condemned to die by the Pharaoh of Egypt and yet he ended up making being raised in Pharaoh's palace and God provided for him his safety and for his upbringing and of course over in Hebrews it says when he was come to age he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season but that was uh, if you we won't go there now but he had a call of God on his life to deliver the children of Israel and he knew it, and when he went out, he sought to do that in his own power and in his own might, and he's going to kill the Egyptians. And he started with that one and buried him in the sand. Um, and the Bible says he looked this way and that way, and no man saw it. He looked around and he said, no one saw me do this. But uh, God was there, and God led him all the way through. Um, if you look at his death in Deuteronomy 34, Verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. And no man knoweth of his sepulchre to this day. If you look there when it says, um, He buried him in the valley, in the valley. That was God, if you read the context. God buried him, and no man knoweth where his sepulchre is. Uh, and he was buried like that so they couldn't make a shrine to the memory of Moses because of the power of Moses, Moses had with man. If you, um, you're not going to read all of these, but if you read through Exodus 5 through 12, it's the plagues of Egypt, chapter 5 through 12. 
You have chapter 14 of Exodus was the Red Sea. Uh, and then, so he's provided there in great shows of power, but he also provided uh, food and water and throughout all their wilderness wanderings and their murmurings and complainings. And they said, can God furnish, furnish a table in the wilderness? And God did. Um, if you read uh, Numbers, chapter 16, you find out that uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and they were stood, they stood up to Moses. If you, um, and when we read there in Joshua, it reads, um, No man shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, in, chapter, in verse 5. And so they, that is, I believe, referencing too, the way Dathan, Korah, and Abiram they withstood Moses. They said, Moses, you're taking too much. Moses, you're not the man of God. Moses, you need to give us the power, us the authority to do this work. And how did God answer? God was with him in that. And how did God answer? The earth split open and they went alive into the pit. They were uh, swallowed up by hell. Um, and so it says, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And as great, uh, in great power, if you read Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah 42, 5 and 6, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth that, and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth bread to the, uh, to, unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. And that takes you back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The power of God in creation. So you see the power of God. And then it says, I have called thee in righteousness. And I'm going to stop in a minute and we're going to look at that briefly. It says, And I will hold thy hand and will keep thee, and will give thee for a covenant of the people, and for a light of the Gentiles, I want to look just briefly at that where it says, called the in righteousness. The promise of God to be with us is to a Christian, not to anybody else. God, the only promise God has for a lost man, or he has two promises. One, if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And the other, and if you won't do that to a lost man, is the promise of eternal damnation in hell. And God has written that in his word and it will happen. Unless you repent. It says, I have called thee in, right, in righteousness. Isaiah chapter 45, verses uh, 21 through 22 says, Take ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? And who hath told it from the time, from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there is, and there is none else. God has put a call out, and He says, I called thee in righteousness. Christ died on the cross without a single sin of His own. And He says, I am the Lord thy God. Look unto me, Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of John, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he says, look unto me. And when, you, when they looked to that, when Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, those that were bitten, they were, uh, after one of their complainings and murmurings, the, they were, one of the curses was fiery serpents were in among them, biting them and poisoning them. 
And when they were poisoned by the curse of the serpent, and that's a picture of sin. Sin came in the Garden of Eden through the serpent. The serpent deceived Eve, and Eve convinced Adam to eat of the fruit, and we fell into sin. And the picture is when Moses lifted up that serpent, the picture of the curse. If you look to that, you'll be saved. Christ, the Bible says, was made sin, and he was raised up on that tree. He was, uh, he became sin for us who knew no sin. And when we look to him, then we can be saved, and not before. Yeah. We go to Acts chapter 17. When you have this, uh, uh, it says, I called thee in righteousness. Acts 17. Acts chapter 17. Verses 24. Verses 24. Verses 24 down to 31. The Bible says, God that made the world, again we see the power of God, and all that there is, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and dwelleth not, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth life to all, life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell upon on the face on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord. Don't let the kids touch the sound system. <laughs> Alright? Uh, where was I? That they should see the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For, it, for in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own prophets have said. For we are also His offspring, for as much then as we are the offspring. Of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or a graven art and man's devices. Oh, sorry, graven or stone, graven by art and man's devices. The times of this and the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because He hath appointed a day in which He shall judge the world in righteousness by the man that He hath ordained. Uh, oh then, whereof he giveth assurance unto all men that he has, in that he raised, hath raised him from the dead. So God said, you know, in times past, we worship whatever, whether it was ourselves or our ego or our education. This is for us today. We don't, you know, there's not, there is now, but where I grew up, there wasn't um, groups that would meet and worship stones or statues. If you go around the place now, particularly in Auckland, you've got the Buddhists and you've got uh, the different groups that are coming in. Where I come from, that's not there. But you, um, people have their own gods without stone. Uh, it talks there in Acts, it says, um, Verse 29, For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by the art of man's device. If you look at uh, the different verses on that, it talks about um, carving out a God in your mind 
you can do that. Um, so he's carving an image. An image is to do with the imagination. And you can carve out an image in your mind that the God of this Bible is whatever you want him to be by just picking and choosing <coughs> verses. If you select what verses you want to believe out of this Bible and ignore the rest of it, you have created a God in your own mind. And, and you know, you're worshipping God. You call him God. But because you don't have the whole counsel of God taken into account, you don't have the true God. Just because you read this book doesn't make, mean that what you believe is right. If you just kind of cherry-pick verses, it doesn't mean anything. Um, we look at also Romans. Just looking at this, uh, called thee in righteousness. Romans chapter 3, we'll start in verse 19. Romans 3, verse 19 says, Now we know that whatsoever things the Lord saith unto them, so it saith unto them who are under the Lord, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the Lord shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins past through the forbearance of God. So God has provided for our sin. We have the sin nature inherited by Adam, or from Adam, and God has made provision for it in the death of Christ upon the cross, and He's not judging you on whether you're uh, white, black, brown. He's not judging us on our status in life, our income, or on any of that, he, he'd say, particularly there he's looking at, um, it says, uh, verse 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God, uh, which is upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. If you read through the chapter, you find he's talking about the difference in the Jews and the Gentiles. He's saying there's no difference if you are religious and you believe in God. So the Jews believed in God and they had their set uh, practices, their traditions. Or whether you're a Gentile, it doesn't matter whether you, whether you um, follow the traditions or whether you're just an outright heathen and a pagan worshipping God, other gods. God doesn't, uh, doesn't judge that. He judges based on the fact that all have sinned. And so we all, the grace of God is available to us all. If you uh, look over the page in my Bible anyway, Romans chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, the Bible says, what saith the scripture of Abraham? Saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now unto him that worketh is the reward, not not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But unto him that worketh not, but believeth on him that is just that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for for righteousness. If we jump to uh, verse 20, the Bible says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able to do, able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto Him for righteousness. Now it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, 
but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So Abraham's faith was imputed because of his belief. And it says there that if we believe, it's written to us that that it was imputed to Abraham so that we would know that it can be imputed to us. So that we can know that we can believe on Christ and be saved. If we look at um, um, Romans, we'll just uh, are we going to talk? Yeah. Uh, we'll go to uh, the Romans chapter nine. We know familiar uh, familiar with. And we know if you've been in around church very long, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And just before we move on, I want to look at, um, look at Luke chapter 18. Because it's one thing to know that Christ has died. It's one thing to know that he will save you, but how? So we just read there, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, If we look at Luke chapter 18, though, in verse 9 through 14. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, he says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And so if you look at him, he's all about what I've done. Look at, look at, look at what I've done, God. So uh, justify me. You know, give me what I want because of what I've done. But the Bible says we're all sinners. God's not looking at that. If you look at verse 13, it says, The publican and the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the publican, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Um, so we see he called on the name of the Lord, but he asked for mercy. Uh, I can't vouch for anybody else, but when I got saved, it was because of the mercy of God. When I called upon the name of the Lord, I asked God for mercy. I realized that I was condemned to die in the pits of hell, and that the judgment of God was upon me. But he says in his word, that he would have mercy if we were called. And so because God promised mercy, I asked God for the mercy he promised and asked him to save me by the blood of Christ on the cross. And that's what it takes to be saved. And when you ask Christ to impute his righteousness yeah. to you, to save you by his blood, and until you've got that, you have no promise from God except the wrath of God. The Bible says that uh, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. The only promise, if you're without Christ, that you have is the wrath of God. But uh, if we, I want to go back to Isaiah. 
because I want I wanted to go there because if you're not saved, this doesn't mean anything to you. And if you're not saved, don't wait. Get saved. Talk to someone here if you need to be saved. Um, because hell is a long time. Uh, they like to joke in society about it's a hell of a long time. Well, it is. It's an eternity. So what you know, we, we look at life, life is here, eternity is forever. What we do in this life affects eternity. And so what if we're going to, uh, you've got the short time to invest now in eternity. And if you don't get saved, you have no investment in eternity. And you will be forever separated from God. But I want to go back and look at this um, in Isaiah chapter 42. And we'll try and get down here. Um, shortly Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 6 it says I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee because we're looking here at um, going to start and look at the next little bit where it says God's presence so this would be your second uh, sub point God's presence um, it says I will hold thee and will, keep, will hold thy hand and will keep thee those of you and I don't have little kids myself, but I've walked my younger siblings across the street. When you're walking a little child across the street, like Amara or um, Eric or any of the other young kids, you hold their hand, right? You don't let them walk, just run blindly across the road. Why? It's because it's dangerous, isn't it? If you just let the kid run across the busy road, the odds of them making it to the other side well, they're actually pretty good because people will stop and slam on the brakes. But we don't let them do it because it's dangerous. And God said there, I'll hold thy hand. We're walking through, we're, as it were, walking across the road of life. And the devil is, you know, not stopping for us when we're trying to cross the street. He's going to try and mow us over. But God said, I'll hold your hand and I will keep thee. Um, if you look back in uh, the verse in Joshua, chapter 5, on that is, um, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And I, uh, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Um, so we saw the power of God in creation. Um, says that you shall not be able. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. If you look through the Bible, these two promises are closely... Whenever you find one, you find the other. Whenever you find the power of God written down, you find the uh, promise of Him not leaving us. So if we look at this, the idea we're looking at of courage... Um, I mentioned about that worker at school. If we go to Isaiah, just for time's sake, Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51. And we'll verse, read from verse 9. The Bible says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in ancient days, as in generations of old. Thou art, art thou not that it that cut Rahab and wounded the dragon, art thou not that it which dried up the Red Sea, the waters, sorry, that dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made that, that made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. So that is the Red Sea, that is Moses. 
says, in verse 11, it says, Wherefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they, sh they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow, and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the Son of Man which shall be made of grass, and forgivest the Lord thy Maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth, because thou hast feared continually every day, because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The oppressor is the devil, and he was defeated at the cross. We don't have to be afraid anymore. When, when, you, when you feel that, you know, you, you're prompted to speak to someone the gospel, and, you know, of course, the devil's going to suggest everything else, you can say, look, Christ was one. Christ has defeated that, and it doesn't matter. What, what happens down here is only matters for the saving of the souls of those around them. Um, there's several, if you want to write these down and look at them, just for time's sake, Isaiah 43, 2 and 3, and 46, 3 and 4, as well in the book of Isaiah, on the power of God and His promise to be with you, because the, the power of God is all very well and good, but if it's not available, it's not worth anything. But it is available to those who are saved. Uh, if we look at... Um, a New Testament form of it um, would be in Matthew, where the Great Commission is given in Matthew, chapter 28, and verses 18 through 19, he says, uh, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in earth and heaven. So that's your promise of God's power. And says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of God. Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So you see there, and they say, Amen, at the end. Um, we see his promise of his, the availability of his power and his promise to be with us. They're, they're all the way through the scripture together. Um, now I'm going to jump to my last point now, and we'll close out after this, it says, uh, if we go to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, we can have courage because uh, we have an inheritance. It's Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, Be strong and a good courage, and to this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now we're not Israelis, we don't own the land over there. The Israelis own that land, but uh, we do have an inheritance. If you go to um, uh, John chapter 14, 1 through 3, the Bible talks about the mansions which we have in heaven. Um, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That there, where I am, there you may also be. You go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 9. The Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterwards receive for an inheritance, obeyed. 
And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. If you jump to verse 13, it says, All these died, having not received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country if, and truly if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city go to Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 through 8 The Bible says, and I, saw, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know what happens on sound, but anyway. A new heaven and a new earth, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he dwelleth with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the all tears from their eyes, and they shall be no more and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former for the former things are passed away, and he and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end, uh, beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely, and he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the hormonemongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all lies shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That there, just real briefly, where it says, talks about him that overcometh. If you read Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, it talks about overcoming them by the blood of the Lamb. Mate, I don't know. I'm preaching. Um, but we have an inheritance, and so we can take courage because this world's not our home. You know, we're not going to always be following. Uh, under the boss and when this world is done we're going to stand before God not the boss we're going to stand before God and not your workmates you're going to stand before God and not the teacher or the preacher even <coughs> so but if we look into eternity and see the reality of eternity then we can have courage because it doesn't matter what happens down here God's in control God is going to set things right at the end yeah. um, but I want to go to um, Hebrews again in chapter 12 and we'll just read verses 28 and 29 for time's sake it says wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire we jump back to Isaiah 33 and we're right on done here Isaiah chapter 33 
the Bible in verse 14. Verse 14. Talks, talks there in Hebrews, uh, verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Isaiah 33, verse 14 says, The sinners are afraid, fearfulness has, uh, fearfulness has surprised. Sorry, the sinners in Zion are afraid, fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the, with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the, with the everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously, and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppression, that shaketh his hands from holding the, from holding of bribe, that stoppeth his ear, ears from the hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from the seeing of evil, he shall dwell on high, his place shall be the defense, his place of defense shall be the nutritions of rocks. Bread shall be given to him, his water shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty, they shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counteth the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech than thou canst perceive, and of a stammering tongue that thou canst not understand. So he talks about a view of eternity there in verse, uh, verse 17, looking beyond this life, looking to see the land that is afar off, and that's heaven, to see the king in his beauty and of God on his throne. And it says that it talks there about walking uprightly, speaking uprightly, and walking righteously, speaking uprightly, despising the gain of oppression there in verse 15. And there are conditions, even I said a while ago about uh, if you're not saved, you have no claim on any of the promises, the good promises of God, and that's true. But if you're uh, saved and you're half-hearted, then there's very little for you. But if we'll commit our ways to the Lord and, and let God burn the dross out of us, that's what a consuming fire is. If you read yeah. uh, Hebrews 20, uh, 12, 29, it, says, it talks about God being a consuming fire. He will burn the dross out of us, but if you will submit, then He will burn it out. He will not force you. Um, if you read uh, chapter 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, um, it says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's all, all of verse 11, uh, chapter 11, says, uh, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, uh, I, that's pretty well my last verse. But when you look at that, it's looking to eternity. Looking at what's ahead and enduring the... It says despising the shame there and uh, enduring the cross and despising the shame and to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can endure if, you, you know, the uh, opinion of the boss. You can endure the... Um, ridicule of your workmates if you'll look to Christ, if you'll look to eternity uh, in heaven and look beyond this life, look beyond uh, uh, the, there's a song that says looking beyond the, I think it's the uh, strains of mortal time but uh, when you, I heard a preacher say at one time and it's true 
uh, not because the preacher said it, but it says, uh, success in this life is determined by how well you see into eternity. And that, that is the truth. If you will look at God on His throne, what does it matter what happens here? You can be courageous because God will see you through and God will set it right. Um, and so when we're facing, when God prompts us to witness or we're faced with that temptation to disobey God just to fit in, to blend in, um, or to be obedient to a specific call, we can take courage uh, we said the first point was um, about from each other. We can draw strength from each other, and it's true, but it's not our ultimate source. It's God's power and God's promise to be with us wherever we go. If we go uh, back to Joshua chapter 1, and we'll go read verse 9 to close. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And so that, that promise is all the way through the Bible. And God's power, promise of his power is all the way through the Bible. And if we will uh, set our hearts on that, then we can have great courage in the Lord. Um, and with that we'll close, and then we'll have our final hymn and lunch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for being able to deliver the message and the truth. And Lord, we pray uh, that it be an encouragement to those that have heard it and Lord, uh, to face this world and to face up to the challenges of the world. Um, we pray you give us the wisdom and the courage that we need uh, to go and to do what you've called us to do. We pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew, for that uh, good message. Okay, before we call our uh, our for our last song, yesterday's uh, brother Leonard's birthday, and also last Friday, I think, brother Roland. It's your birthday last Friday, right? <laughs> okay. Let's sing happy birthday to them and then let's close up in a word of prayer. Okay. Let's all stand, please.